Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Ice Cold Takes podcast. I am your host, Joey DiMeglio, and the Rangers might have hit their lowest point of the season on Tuesday night as they blew a two-goal lead to the San Jose Sharks and lost in overtime, finishing the Western Road Trip 1-2-1. and Today, I'm here with Corey Snyder from all three zones to look at some of the Rangers' micro stats this season because I know the Rangers have really fallen off the cliff in the last two months. But anyways, welcome back to the show, Corey. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back on. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while last season. I think we had you on, like, March, right before the trade deadline. Yeah, it was, like, right before the Kane trade. Yeah, before the Kane trade. I remember we were talking about that because Carolina was was in on that. We weren't sure mm-hmm. if they were going to pick uh, Kane up. Ultimately, they didn't go. I think they got Pugliarvi? Yeah, they did. They got, got Pugliarvi and Gossespear. Yeah, Gossespear. Yeah, yeah. So... I mean, with the Rangers, I mean, let's kind of like just start with like where the Rangers are at as a team. So they get off to that crazy start, you know, like they, what is it? Like they won, I think it was 18 of their first 24 games. Things were looking good. Then they got the injuries. So Kako, Fox, Beetle all went down with injuries. So guys are playing out of place here on the team and uh, the Rangers are still getting some wins, but it's kind of unraveled for them. What does like the like what have you seen? Because I know when you track the the data, you have to watch like all their games, right? Yeah, pretty much every unless there's like a lull in the action, then I kind of skim through it. But yeah, yeah like a low of, low event. Like there's yeah. been a couple games like that, but low event. I get what you're saying. Yeah, but mm-hmm. what have you noticed from like how the Rangers have declined in their play, so to speak? Yeah, well, like this year more than any, I've noticed like a lot of teams kind of going through just hot streaks and then periods where they're just kind of going through it, for lack of a better term. Like this happened with the Flyers. It's happening to the Jets right now after they had that incredible December. Mm -hmm. Carolina struggled through the first two months of the season. They turned it on middle December. And this seems to be what's going on with the Rangers right now. They're kind of just plodding their way through the middle of the season. And I don't know if this is just kind of like a dog days of the season thing because they know they're going to make the playoffs. They're already, they've been in first place despite this cold stretch or if it's like a systematic issue, but just from what I've been watching, they are a lot more careless with the puck. Now a lot of their goals are coming off of turnovers or just failed clears or plays where they try to exit the zone when they should be trying to clear it. And they just seem to be a little out of sync there. And they're just, uh, I don't know. They just look off right now. And for me lately, I'm kind of like the, after the playoffs last year with like Florida going on that run and Vegas turning into a machine, I kind of look at teams like how they're going to be at their peak. And is that peak better than anybody else's? And with the Rangers, I don't know. It kind of just seems like they're around with where all the other good teams are. And this seems to be just like a bit of a low strut, a bit of a lull. Mm-hmm. So I think they can get back. I think they can get back to it. Like Fox has been back in the lineup for about a month now. Heedle's coming back soon. I think that'll be big, just because that third line's been a bit of a sinkhole. But yeah. uh, this year they've. I mean, they've made improvements. They cleaned up a lot of things. They're the lines that aren't Panarin or Zabanajad aren't a, like aren't just drowning in shots anymore. Mm-hmm. They got Lafreniere playing like a top top six player now. Kako's getting a little, Kako's getting back up to speed. So they're fixing a lot of the important things. It's just a matter of like getting through this stretch without kind of nuking the team's confidence. Gotcha. So you see, you see it though. Like you see like what the, the fans are, are seeing, like most of the Rangers fans. I mean, there's people that argue and say that Lafreniere is not good enough, but I think he's playing the best he's played in the NHL, even though he's not finishing on his chances. I think he'll get to that point. Um, but with like the Rangers, I know you said you said um, like this might just be a lull period where they know they're going to make the playoffs, but they're just going going through it right now. It's you know midway through the season, they're in a okay spot, like they're in first in the division, but it's really close now. Was is Carolina right behind them, or is it Philly that's in second? It's both of them. It's right. like yeah, four. It's it's like four teams, right. to be fair. And, and like honestly, coming out like starting the season, I expected Carolina to win the division and be neck and neck with the Rangers anyway. So, I mean, I'm not surprised that it's this close. Um, I don't know if the Rangers have what it takes to, you know, 
fight through and get the division title. But I definitely think they have enough to make the playoffs. So is this like you think this is something that they could, you know, like let's say after the All Star break, after the trade deadline, even let those last fifteen to twenty games and pick up their play. You could see it happening, right? Based on yeah. the acquisitions they make or don't make. Yeah, for sure. I think they definitely have enough to be a top three team in the division. Maybe even get maybe even get home ice in the playoffs. It's just a matter of, you know, kind of just getting through this and getting everybody kind of back up to speed. I mean, there are some there are definitely some concerns like that I have. Like it's not a perfect team by any means, but you look at the entire league right now, nobody's like there's not a single team out there I see that doesn't have a problem yeah. that I could see them costing them a playoff series right now. It's more of an even playing field than ever. Mm-hmm. And so you brought up how like the Rangers are more careless with the puck. In uh, that San Jose game, for example, the first goal that got San Jose in the game was off a turnover. It was Gustafson put it right into the guy's uh, hands. I forget who scored, but just Sterkin had no chance on it. It was a it was a bad pass off the boards, and uh, San Jose took it away and and put it in the the open net. But like, how has the Rangers? We talked a lot about in in Rangers Town how rush defense at five on five has been abysmal. Like the Rangers are one of, if not the worst team defending the rush, according to Steve Valakat's site, ClearSight Analytics. You track the rush, right, on your site? Yes. So that's it's interesting because that's kind of something they were good at early in the season and just slowly got worse as the year went on. And I kind of wonder if this is just kind of teams catching on to how they play or if it's just the guys getting worse. Because, like, just from what I've noticed, what the Rangers like to do a lot of is – like when the defenseman goes back to get the puck, they just kind of send it up the boards and try to clear it off the blue line. That way they can reset and kind of attack at their own speed. And lately those passes of getting, they're getting picked off a lot more. And even if they're not getting picked off, like within the zone, they're getting picked off at the blue line, which means the other team can reload and attack against you. Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of the offense is coming from, especially, uh, in that Washington game that they won a couple weeks ago, like Washington is not a good rush team at all. And they got, they were, they had, I think like 60% zone entries that game carrying the puck in like that. Like, even if you win a game like that, that's a, that's when a red flag goes up and says, Hey, we got to cool something off here, fix something Mm -hmm. because like, that's just a, like, that's just a problem that was creeping in that and kind of, uh, something that's been going on all year is they give up, they give up a lot of shots off defensive zone exits because they play a pretty fast, they play a pretty passive four check and uh, they sit in the defensive zone a lot. And like what they try to do is force other teams to dump the puck in going through the one, three, one that Lafayette, Laviolette likes to play a mm-hmm. lot, especially with a lead. But what's been happening a lot more is that defenseman or the forward that's covering the boards is missing. And the defenseman back is kind of playing in a safety spot. So he's so like he's really deep. So like they're kind of banking on that final defenseman to disrupt the shot to get back in time. But that doesn't always happen. And he's going to give up a chance anyway. It just might be slightly disrupted. So it's kind of all or nothing with how they're playing defense a little bit because they're kind of hoping for that last layer to save them if like their structure gets broken. Yeah. So like. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, and, like, it's risky because it's like, okay, like, we don't want – they don't want Shesterkin stopping 40, 45 shots every game. Yep. But if they give up, like, 15, 20 shots and those are high-quality shots, you're like, okay, we got a stud goalie who can stop these. But those are still very tough shots to stop. So that's kind of where they've getting, they're getting broken down a lot. That and – I mean, it, it's also tough, too, because, like – because like defense doesn't always happen in structure. They play that man-to-man defense a lot, which means you'll have a forward kind of all the way back behind mm-hmm. the net starting to break out, which not ideal, especially if it's uh, one of the fourth liners. But like I think a lot of that has kind of been creeping up these past couple of weeks. And even then, there's been like chances where the game was kind of up for grabs where they might have been able to get through it. But mm-hmm. like it's kind of just it, the problems that were there early on are kind of creeping in now. But, like, I think they're fixable. It's just a matter of maybe they need to, like, maybe they need to, like, kind of shore up the depth a little bit. Maybe Heedle coming yeah. back will fix that. 
maybe changing up some of the D pairs might help, but we'll yeah. see. Yeah, and he'll uh, return to practice first time. He's It's been 37 games that he's been out. Uh, I actually went to the game that he got injured in. It was against Carolina at the yeah. Garden. Um, but he's back at practice. He's wearing a non-contact jersey, which is good. So I definitely think now that he's back skating with the team, he's going to be back before the end of the regular season. So I don't think the Rangers are going to be able to use that LTIR space to get a to get somebody. Um, so they're probably going to have to settle for, like you said, shore up the depth, uh, like in the bottom six, maybe seventh defenseman or something like that. Um, but like all those issues you talked about, I was wondering if it had something to do because of the injuries the Rangers were dealing with. But it's kind of like just carried over since Kako has gotten healthy. Fox is healthy now. Like you said, Fox is healthy for a month now. He's been in the lineup for. And um, also, the Rangers are chasing a lot of games. Do you think it has, um, like, why they're bad on the rush? It's, you know, because their guys get caught. I know you said they play pretty passively on the forecheck, but sometimes I see three guys get caught up and three forwards get caught up the ice or one defenseman. And, uh, odd man rush comes back the other way. Is that something you've noticed as well? That's been frequent. Yeah. If they're behind in games, they'll have two guys chasing. They'll have two guys chasing, but like if they have a lead, they're a lot more passive. Mm-hmm. Like, but that's kind of just a laughy thing. Yeah. But like another thing that is kind of just like, sometimes I think the game kind of goes in a snowball effect type of way. And with the way they like to exit the zone by just relieving pressure and kind of starting at their own pace is they have a lot of those behind the net breakouts and a lot of the passes they start from behind the net are off. So like if the pass if they get bobbled, they don't they don't get to carry the puck up the ice like they want to. They get plays disrupted in the neutral zone and the play comes back at them. That just kind of leads to the rush offense kind of piling up against them. And that's just something I feel like they gotta shore up. I don't know if they need to find a I don't know if they need to find like a good second pairing type of defenseman who can pass, because I think they think Jacob Truba is that guy, and he can do that, but like more times than not, I'm seeing a lot of passes like just totally miss with him. A lot of icings, a lot of just yeah. the neutral zone and a lot of just kind of careless plays by him going up the ice and leaving Miller on an island to defend. And I, they, they got to figure something out there, like whether it's switching things up. Pretty it, mil- like I think they put Miller with Fox for a shift against San Jose and they scored a goal and they did not go back to that. But I I don't really know how you fix it exactly because they kind of see as Truba, they kind of take the good with the bad with him. And lately it's been a lot more bad. Even like even the Sharks game, like I thought he had a terrible game, but by the numbers, like by on ice stats, he wasn't that bad. But I thought he was just a dis- yeah, I thought he was a mess that game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that has been said a lot of times by fans uh, in the past couple seasons. I think he's improved this year um but (laughs) um interesting you brought up like the miller fox and or miller truba pair the rangers were just trying out new defensive pairs today at practice and they kept miller truba together that was the one pair they didn't touch and honestly i think that's the pair that they should touch and leave the rest of them like yeah truba has such a weird like profile by the like all three zone stats that i track like zone entry zone exits shots and scoring chances like Let's see here. I can share my screen. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, so you could present it, and then I'll, I'll put it yeah. up on the screen here. Yeah, this is Jacob Truba's card right here. Okay, I got to blow this up because I can't really see here. Okay. Uh, so, Jacob Truba. Oh, yeah, that is, that's pretty interesting there. So, well, yeah, look at the, good? the scoring. Good Offensively, at- he's pretty good. Damn. Yeah, he... He's very good selective with his offense. Like it's interesting because you think of a guy, he's a guy that's just going to take a lot of like bombs from the point, but <laughs> he's been very good at getting his shot through very good at kind of looking for that extra pass in the offensive zone, being a second layer, being a complement to the forwards, which is what I thought their defensemen were terrible at under Gallant, but Lavalette's fixed that. I never say his name. With, but with exiting the zone, this is exactly what I was talking about earlier. He, very good at getting the Whoa. pucks, very good at taking hits, absorbing hits, but breaking the puck out, not very good. A lot of turnovers, a lot of clears, a lot of icings, and that's kind of been 
that's kind of been the root of the problem with how much so, he plays and the rush defense. Like this yeah. is all bad. This is all this yeah. is all very bad. Yeah. So you could so I'm what I'm looking at here with the D zone retrievals and exit is is, to, is that like him getting to the puck first before the the four checker? Yeah, like, it's him, where it's where it's blue. It's him getting to the puck, protecting it, and just yeah. making sure it's not lost behind the goal yeah. line. Like, like that's a skill I think is pretty important. Like he's good at getting the puck to the next layer. Like either even if, if it's either Miller or like a forward to mm-hmm. kind of start the exit. But when he has to exit the zone himself, it's been a mess. Yeah, he can't skate. He can't skate it out himself. He's got to have Miller do that. And I don't know. What does that look like for Miller? Like, what is his exit with possession percentage? Yeah. Is that pretty good or no? It used Probably. to be. It, it used, used to be, to be. very good. Yeah. But this year, it's kind of been very up and down. Like, Okay, so not as bad, but it's still bad. Okay. Yeah, he's had to clear the puck a lot more. He's been playing a lot more safe. And so it goes he, back to what you were saying about how the Rangers have to, the defensemen have to clear the puck. It feels like every time because they're yeah, not getting out themselves. Yeah, it's similar to how the Hurricanes play, except the Rangers like to regroup and reset, whereas the Hurricanes are going north south all the time. Which, like, I understand. I understand that you have Artemi Panarin, like you kind of let him quarterback things and go from there, and he's had just a ridiculous season. Mm-hmm. So I get that, like you, you kind of play offense at your pace this way but it's also kind of a fire drill in their own zone. But they seem to, they think they think highly of how Miller and Truba block shots and kind of disrupt plays, which I get it, but you, you're that adds up against you. Like yeah. it, especially in the playoffs. We know hockey games move fast, but with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you can score faster than anything happening on the ice this week new customers can bet five bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets on saturday the edmonton oilers take their 15 game winning streak home to play the nashville predators the puck line is set to one and a half for the game it's plus 110 for the oilers to win by two or more goals and the oilers have covered the puck line in each of their last six games at home Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app with code ICTPOD. New customers bet just 5 bucks on the NHL and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code ICTPOD. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888 888- 789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. CDKNG.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are trademark registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2024. All rights reserved. So they tried uh, Fox Gustafson and Lindgren Schneider today at practice. I think Fox Gustafson, I think the money puck ex- expected goal numbers were pretty good for for uh, for the, that pairing. But it's a small sample size, so I don't know. It's definitely going to take a hit. It's like 75 76% XGF. So yeah, I know they haven't played that much together. Gustafson. That's like... bound to go down. There's no way that stays like Gustafson is there for a good time, not a long time. That's kind of been the story of his career. Like teams bring him in for one year. He puts up good offensive stats. He has a lot of very exciting. He has a lot of very exciting games. I think he got a hat. He had a hat trick for the caps last year, but yeah. do they, do the teams ever keep him? No, they, no, they do not. <laughs> like, That's why I was, I was wondering like, why is he so cheap? He had 40 points last season. Doesn't make sense. And he had a great start to the season. I thought he was really solid. Like the best six defensemen the Rangers have had in a while, honestly, and now it's kind of like unraveling. For this is his stats. Uh, wait, this might be Braden Schneider. Yeah, that's Braden oh, Schneider. That's Braden Schneider. I, wow, I think I pulled him up. I pulled him up because he's had a much better season compared to last year. Last year, kind oh, of a mess. Damn. But this wow. year, he's been he's cleaned up his game a lot. Still a lot. Still a lot of turnovers, kind of falling victim to the Rangers defensive system there but very good at making those simple plays and really good as like the guy jumping into the rush too which was kind of surprising i don't remember him doing that much and doing that much when he was in junior yeah he's definitely doing that a lot this season um but like his start to this season we 
we were like complaining about how he was playing, like he was turning the puck over. It looks like he's like solidified himself now. Like he's he's yeah, kind of way better now. No, that's what he is, like a five six and a pretty good one at that. Yeah, five or six. Def- yeah, I, I don't need like every defenseman to be yeah. like uh, like a top two, like Fox. You know what I mean? Like that's just you know if you just somebody that's steady, that's solid, like that's not a black hole. Like for, for what the Rangers have before they got rid of Benino, they, they waived Benino today, or they're going to. Um, it's two o'clock now. It's two twenty now. So yeah, they probably already waived mm-hmm. him. I can't yeah, I saw that. Yeah, so anytime that guy's on the ice, it's like the Rangers don't get any offense. It's just it's just hope and a prayer. Like let's hang on by a thread here in the in the defensive zone. Let's block a shot, win a face off, ice the puck, rinse repeat. Same deal with Wheeler, same deal with Barkley Goodrow. And like you talked about it before, like that third line. That I think I would consider that the fourth line because the third line right now is like Huli Brodzinski and Wheeler. And right, yeah. they've been pretty good. They had a that game against Anaheim, very good game, very good. Um, Cooley has been has been great. Do you have his stats? Yeah, I do. He's uh, he's been like for as far as a rookie go, not too bad. Yeah, and uh, like offense could be a little better. Pretty good at creating chances. Like I know he's made a lot of very like high skilled plays in the games I've watched. Like going across mm-hmm. the. Going across the slot, creating off the rush a little bit. Like if there's a turnover or something, he can kind of capitalize on it. Like uh, I think he, they burned Carolina with. Uh, I think he burned them earlier this year. That yeah, game he, played he got the, he got the game winning goal. In, yeah, in that like him really- and Wheeler. Like that's the thing Wheeler is still good at too. Like if there's an open lane, Wheeler is gonna find it and just kind of send a really good pass across to set up a one timer. Yeah, that's what but everybody like, says. It's like his passing is good. Yeah, it's he's still good at that. He just can't like move really much as much as well as he used to. But like these are fine, not exactly game breaking. I probably need to update this with the last like batch of games I tracked though. See mm-hmm. if they've improved a little bit. Like I imagine so. But like considering where he's playing, I think that's I would say he's in a pretty good spot. Compared to like where other Rangers rookies were before, this is really good. Like especially under well, really under Galan in general and Quinn too. Yeah. Like in previous years of, if anybody was in the spot Cooley was before, this would be all red. This would be more like, it would look more like this. I think, you know, who's going to come up here right now. Yeah. It would look <laughs> oh more- God. Yeah. Wow. Let's just leave this up here for, for a little bit, just to like show how bad he's been. Like, honestly. yeah. Like I was going to $3.6 million to do that. Like, honestly, Corey, I think your dog can like suit up and for the Rangers and produce better results than Ben Goodrow, honestly. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I don't know how he was as good as he was with the Lightning because when he was with the Sharks, he was not good until they gutted the roster and then all of a sudden they got a first round pick for him. And I, like, I don't know how he was as good as he was with the Lightning because with the Lightning, he wasn't like a game breaker or a game changer, but he was like a solid player he was a compliment in the middle, in the middle of your line. lineup yeah and even as the rangers roster's gotten better this is still happening it's gotten significantly worse like as the years go by on that contract it's like at first i liked him his first year i really liked him and then years two and three have just been awful oh man yeah it's just but, a not a good fit on the roster too so it's it, like goodrow is a four checker this team doesn't really do all this team doesn't really for play the four checking style that much yeah so so yeah. the rangers as a team are they um i know last year i talked to you about it and they were pretty balanced last year like rush and uh what is it a uh, four check four check yeah yeah they were good off both and they were like one of the only teams that was good at both but what's changed this year do you can you pull that up here yep doing so right now um from what i remember they're pretty balanced no actually Oh, actually, they are a lot more rush-based than they were last year, which is a little surprising. Let me change the tab. Let's see here. Do I have to remove this? Yeah, I, okay. yeah, I can do that. It's pretty easy. Okay. Yeah, this one right here. All right. So, yeah, they create more of their shots off the rush this year than they did than they did last year. Last year, they were kind of up here in the balanced offense zone. This year, it's a lot more rush. 
And it's a lot more Russian. It's a lot more cycle too, but that's pretty much all it, our Timmy Panarin. Yeah, that but, makes sense. Because the Rangers don't really, they're not really a North-South team. Like the guy no. outside of Kreider and Trocek, that's it. Will Cooley, yeah, that, maybe, that's it. I mean, this is how you want a lot of the guys on the team playing. Like, you want them to kind of playing against the green, against the, with speed. You want you want them playing with speed. You want them kind of catching defenses off guard. You don't want them cycling the puck around, taking, looking for deflections all the time. But the other thing is, like, when I notice the Rangers, they when they do forecheck, they don't really they don't really take a lot of shots because they're kind of content to milk the clock, and that's pretty standard for most teams now. Like, they're just kind of looking to spend time in the offensive zone, not really looking to see like, if add on to the lead. See if anything opens up and. Then like they're then like I I think they know kind of I think they know like their defensemen like previous years like they could not get any shots through except for Fox to save their lives. Yeah, and Truba this year is pretty good. Saw, right? Yeah, but like they're being a lot more patient with their offense, like off cycles too. They're not just bombing away from the point all the time just to get the shot blocked. Mm-hmm. So I think that's gotten a little better. But yeah, they're they're primarily like a rush team this year. And I remember showing their, uh, I remember showing like their all around stats early in the year. And somebody brought up that they're one of the worst teams at, they're one of the worst teams at getting rebounds and creating rebounds. And they kind of raised that as a red flag for maybe the playoffs, which I'm like, yeah, maybe, but that's That's every, every team's got a, every team's got something, you know? Right. I would, I would put that in, that category of every team has got something there like i wouldn't go overboard trying to make an improvement because you need more rebound offense I exactly think, i think like, you need to improve your defense first and maybe maybe get another improved forecheck like right or not the forecheck the rush here a little bit more yeah so i think this is kind of similar it's a similar mold to how vegas played last year because like uh if you watch how vegas played they they scored a lot of goals off the rush primarily but if nothing was there, they did a lot of banking the puck off the boards and kind of resetting their offense that way. And they were very selective with kind of shot volume. Like they didn't really take a bunch of shots just to say they could or just to kind of like, but they also played with the lead a ton in the playoffs too. So yeah. that's thing. Like they didn't really need to kind of pound shots away like Carolina does all the time. But like Tampa Bay, they, they're kind of the opposite. They take a lot of shots like within the offensive zone and off the four check, but they're a lot more patient and selective with taking those shots. Like there's a lot more passing, a lot yeah. more motion with them. Vegas, it's a lot more kind of Vegas. It's very, it's very like black and white with how they're, you, you know, where the shots are coming from, you know, there's going to be traffic in front of the net, and you know, they're going to be looking for a deflection or something. But like with the Rangers, I think, but the Rangers, I think maybe they could do a little more with the other lines aside from Panarin can do a little more with their Russian like end zone offense with their cycle offense. Yeah. But I think maybe that will be something that shows in the playoffs. Cause I mean, I don't think teams are so robotic that they're, that they're like, we have to play this way or like we can only play this way or else like we're not programmed to play a certain way or not. Like they adapt, they figure it out. They kind of know what they have to do. It's not so ingrained into their, into the their habits that they can't that they can't play this way yeah so i like in the playoffs like if what they're whatever their top whatever like the top form of this team is i think they'll like figure something out yeah the the, what we're talking about right now like in in rangers town or rangers land whatever you want to call it is like Kreider's advantage at and Insert right winger here. Like since Buchnevich has left, it's been a revolving door. As was the Panarin's right winger until they put Lafreniere there this season. So Kako comes back. He's immediately inserted on that right side with Kreider and Zibanejad, and then he gets demoted during a game. Um, I'm gonna chalk that up to like I'll, I'll agree with I'll just by what Laviolette's saying and say like uh, it was because of all the penalties in that period because there was a lot in that Anaheim game. But now in practice, he's on the third line and Wheeler is back up on the top line. So my issue, though, is um, how Kreider and Zibanejad have been playing. Do you think like the Ra- that the Rangers need to break that line up, that they should maybe, let's say, switch Zibanejad with Trocek and put 
put uh, Panarin alongside of Zibanejad and Lafreniere? Just make that little tweak, or do you not notice like uh, that there's something off with like Kreider and Zibanejad this year? Yeah, I would. So I think Zibanejad's been okay. Kreider, I feel like, hasn't been driving play as much as he can. Like he kind of just banks on how many goals he's going to score. But I I think it's worth it's worth trying just because Trocek is playing so well this year and Panarin can play well with anybody, I think at least. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I would give that a shot for like two weeks. And if it bombs, like whatever you tried, you're kind of in a good position right now. But Zabanajad, I, I, I'm, I'm not really sold on him as somebody that can drive offensive five on five. And a lot of it is just from, a lot of it is just from like his own play in the defensive zone. He doesn't, he's not very good at getting pucks out under pressure. He's not very good at like, I don't want to say he's not good at playing center, but like playing the center role in the defensive zone is something he's never really been good at, like getting the puck out, playing down low and kind of like, like starting breakouts that way, helping the defense that way, being the third defenseman. Like he hasn't like, I don't know. Whenever I watch the Rangers, it's always somebody else helping down low instead of Sabanajad. Sabanajad. Yeah. And like, sometimes that's because they're playing man, but that's also something I've noticed for a few years now. Like he's more of like a gold vulture, but some of his other stats this year are a little better than I expected. Like he's still scoring a lot, still very good on the power play. But, like, where it has dropped off for him this year is, like, his offense is just tanked at 5-on-5. Five five. Yeah, that's that's what I wanted to ask you about because he's, like, he refuses to shoot this year. Like, it's just like how Panarin was last season. Like, Panarin refused to take a shot. And now this season, Panarin is shooting and he's scoring a lot more. But Zibanejad is not letting it rip like he has in the past. Well, he's not that and he's not setting up anything either. This is a so this is kind of a problem. So I do wonder if, you know, bumping him up to Panarin, like the offense is going to run through him. So he's going to get open looks that way. So maybe that would kind of that maybe that would kind of like help things along. And but Trocek, uh, Trocek's very good at just driving play in general, even if he, even if he doesn't score that much. Like he's really good. He's always been really good at just kind of carrying the puck through like through center and just hanging on to it, kind of setting up shop that way. Like if nothing's open off the rush, he's very good at going to the corner, protecting it, letting the other guys get a change or set something up. So I think that'll do good to help like Kreider and Kako come along if they do make that a line. Mm-hmm. But with Sabanajad, like they do have to figure something out with his offense falling apart because you this have, you like, have the stats to show oh, uh do you are you sure you want to see them they're they're not pretty but i'll put them put them up yeah because i i called them out the other day um yeah so let's do this again let's see yeah this is it right here all right so yeah this oh, right yeah. here is the problem yeah. like this is a like this is okay this means he's getting touches he's the offense is running through him a little bit. He's involved. But this right here, the lack of offense, that's a real issue. It looks like he's kind of waiting to set up like the perfect shot, the perfect <laughs> chance or something <laughs> like that. But it almost sounds that's exactly what it that's exactly what it looks like to me. <laughs> but it also kind of looks like he's so it looks like he's kind of going as the team does here because the Rangers don't have a lot of cycle offense, but and he doesn't have a lot of cycle offense. But he does have a decent amount of rush offense. So one and done, hoping he scores on the one shot, hoping that they get a chance off the rush, something like that. I don't like that's it it's definitely an issue though. This is a guy you're kind of pegging as your one C, which I don't know if that he is for sure, but like this like it's definitely an issue. And it's interesting because like what I what I like criticized him for earlier, he's actually been better at this year. So yeah, so much I know. <laughs> yeah, defensively, it looks he looks really good. I wasn't like when you said that. I was kind of I was kind of confused because I didn't I didn't think it was an issue defense wise. I was in more years concerned past. With the, yeah, yeah. In in this year, I was saying like his offense has been a, a major major issue. Like I thought he would figure it out earlier in the season, and it looked like he was like he was getting some even strength points. But it's kind of just tapered off, and it really hasn't. Like, and seeing this, the shots per 60, it's not good. And that just 
reinforces what I what I believe in. Like yeah, that with, he hasn't been shooting the puck that much this year. Yeah, with, with he's always been tricky because like in past years, like actually uh, that was actually the forty goal season. I'm thinking of the. Uh, I'm actually thinking of that one year that was halted by the by COVID. Oh like, yes, that, that was, was when he was scoring on everything, but like yeah, he wasn't yeah. pretty offense and volume but that got better and this year it's tanked so something they got to figure out i mean i'll say this much like with watching like this last batch of rangers games i did i barely noticed zavanajad yep very invisible i said he unless it was the pk yeah unless it was the yeah yeah even on a power play he's not even hitting his shot his one-timers um the i said you couldn't see him on like a topographical map of california that's how invisible he was in in those games like Against a team like San Jose, where that's the worst team in the league, you got to have your best players coming out to play and, you know, getting on the score sheet and you got to get a win there. Like there's no, there's, there's no excuse there. Like I understand that there was bad, two bad calls, missed calls and overtime and stuff. But I mean, if you blow a two goal lead against the worst team in hockey, like, what are you doing? Are you, are you a champion or are you just like a fluke? Like what? What kind of team are you? That's how yeah. I look at it. As a lot, of, some people don't view it like that, but that's just me. Like for my team, for me personally, like if I want to win, like I want to win outright. Like I don't. I want to have without a shadow of a doubt. I don't want any like second guessing or anything like that. You know? Yeah, that's it's definitely a concern. What? Yeah, like back to advantage ad. Like the big concern right here this see this is him how much offense he's creating like this is how many shots he takes and how many he sets up okay. and look who's right next to him guy who just got waved that's oh, yeah yeah damn but yeah i i get it like with the hurricanes a lot of the fans are having the same kind of arguments right now because they were not good through the first well i mean they they were good in october struggled late february late november to like early December they got swept on a Western road trip and we were kind of accepting like, yeah, this team, they're not going to win like a cup this year. They might not, they're going to struggle to make the playoffs. And then they went on this run. And then like, I just look at how other good teams are doing right now. And it seems like almost everybody's kind of going through it. Vegas went through a pretty rough stretch where guys got hurt and I think they won like three out of 10 during one stretch LA's won two out of their last 14. People were talking about them as a potential cup team. Edmonton got off to that horrendous start. And yeah, and then they won, like, like, what is it, uh, over 10? Four, 14 in a row now. 15 in a row. Holy and, like, crap. the only team that hasn't really hit much of a sag is Vancouver, who cannot stop scoring goals. <laughs> yeah, they're ridiculous, those guys. It's insane, the turnaround that they've had. So I that's the way I look at it. I mean, this is a – this year has been weird. It's been very – it's been pretty wide open, pretty fluky, honestly. So really I'm kind of looking that at this as like, which team is going to get all their, just get everything together once like March and April roll around. Like I think uh, maybe Florida, what happened last year is kind of tricking me into thinking that way. Cause that's kind of what they did, but that's kind of how I'm viewing this. Right. Right. right they were, they always had those underlying numbers though, Florida, right? Like yeah, five on five, fair. they were always really good. The Rangers, for as long as I've watched them, I don't think the Rangers have ever been a good five-on-five team. Yeah, and like at least since they started tracking the stats. And you look at who they have to go through, like to well, I don't even know who they have to go through nowadays because like the Flyers look like they might make the playoffs. Yeah, Pittsburgh is a mess, and the Devils are injured. They have no goaltender. Carolina, they Carolina like. They're playing well right now, but they got no healthy goalies. Right. That's the that's always seems to be the issue with the Carolinas. The well, I got Spencer Martin yesterday had a great game in Boston. They he joined the team two days ago. So yeah. like it's it's a weird season. It's wide open. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw Kako on there uh in on this the stats here. So this is like his contribution to the offense, right? Oh, yeah, here he is. Yeah, like yeah. shots per 60. And, yeah, uh, he's, pretty much this is how he's – this is kind of who he's always been, an above-average okay. above average shooter, above-average volume shooter. Except for like the first year Gallant was head coach, he was a mess. And last year they had to kind of rebuild him from the ground up. And this year he's been injured. Yeah. And, he's also one I'm a little concerned about because like 
as far as like the Rangers not creating a lot of sustained offense goes, he's somebody that can help that. Like just from how good he is along the wall, yeah. how good he is at protecting yeah. the puck. And it's just not happening this year, mm-hmm. but he's also been out for a little bit. So we'll see if this new being healthy might kind of fix that. Right. It, what you just said is exactly how I felt about him in the first 15 games, 10, 15 games of the season. Like I, I thought last year he was at his best at around the beginning. And then they changed the lines, and he wasn't the same after that. But then this year, he was not as impactful offensively, and that was concerning for me. But people are saying like his defensive presence shouldn't be overlooked, especially on that top line. Like by your numbers and like whatever you've tracked, what do they look like? That what does his defense look like? Is it probably really good? Yeah, he plays defense kind of in the offensive zone, like the way I see it. Because yeah. he he may not create a lot of shots, but he kind of hold he's good at holding on to the puck and keeping the puck away from their own net. And with getting the puck out of the zone, that's kind of what his strong suit has been this year. Like he's been very good at helping the defense, very good at kind of he's been very good at kind of saving turnovers, is what I've noticed. Like if the defense like if they're if their defensemen like blindly send the puck over the wall, he's very good at kind of swooping down, getting it, getting to the puck first, absorbing contact to kind of make a clear or find somebody open in the middle of the ice so they can reset. So he's been very good at that. He's done a lot of good things that don't necessarily get rewarded, like on the score sheets or like in terms of really like expected goals or stats like that, because he's not out there creating the offense. He's out there absorbing a lot of the damage and setting things up for Panarin or for like the Zabanish line to go out and create for themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's, he's kind of like the fallback there. Uh, a lot of it gets pinned on him, which is uh, not really fair in my opinion, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I get it. Like, cause of where he was drafted and like, you want to yeah, see more, but that's, like, that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Like he's definitely not what he was advertised when he was drafted. Like he, but he, he's still a contributor though for the team. Yeah, he is. Like, I kind of wonder if this is going to be like a Val Nichushkin type of ascendance where he figures things out from like, he kind of figures things out like from the defense out, which not really how it goes usually. Like with a lot of, with a lot of uh, like young forwards that are drafted, what I've noticed is they kind of figure out the rush first and then the rest of their game comes along. But lately there's been, there's cases like Val Nichushkin who, kind of figure out defense first, figure out kind of the possession game before they figure out like just creating up the rush or guy like Jason Robertson, who figures out the offensive zone first before kind of going end to end. And there's, yeah. So, or like Brady Kachuk, he kind of did that too. Like he, he was like the four checker before he kind of figured out the rest of his offense so I I wonder if that's the pathway for Kako to kind of become the top level player that mm-hmm. he was advertised. Yeah, um, for for sure with him, uh, that's a, that's the thing. It's like this the disappointment of him not living up to the hype of the second overall pick. Like to me, it's it's too it's been too long. So I I'm really not going to play that much into where he was drafted. Like, yeah, it sucks that he's not like that Spechnikov like the Hurricanes have. But I mean. I'll take him if, if he's cheap or whatever, and he's like a good middle six guy. Like that's that's fine for me. Yeah, and right now, if he well, like if he figures out the offense while you have him signed to a cheap contract, that's even better. Yeah, like kind of true. what kind of what like they're hoping Lafreniere does. Maybe I mean I, to me, I feel like he's figured it out this year, even if the points aren't there. But like next year, I feel like it could be like a massive uptick for him yeah just based on how he's just based on how he's kind of ascended this year right like if he just does the same thing that he did this season like just next year yeah i I could definitely see that happening for sure with with lafreniere like uh finishing his chance because he gets a lot every single game yeah there was that open net against the sharks the other night i cannot believe he missed that oh yeah the shark that one that was bad and then the one against the kings where you could have tied the game that one was was really like that was really bad like the goalie made a save uh riddick riddick he made the save but it was right on the doorstep and like he got a skate on it the the goalie that's how he stopped it uh, he really yeah. could have he really could have scored that but 
you know yeah, like the it, sharks one i i don't know what happened with that one like he was that's the one where he missed the net right yeah like i mean trocek like set him up on a tee right in front of the net he's standing right next to right next to blackwood and somehow the puck hit the glass like i <laughs> i don't know how that i'm like <laughs> i thought somebody blocked it yeah I, I was like nope he just flat out missed it like I mean, it happens. <laughs> right. Yeah. Abs- yeah. It happens. Yeah. yeah. But you'd like to see that one go in. It's so frustrating, though. Like, if it's your team, it's like, oh, it's yeah. Like, I mean, man. you're talking to a Hurricanes fan. You're the king of miss, the kings of missing open nets and deflections that just go off the post. Yeah. R- Ryan Strom was the king of that, though. <laughs> yeah. Ryan Strom missed a lot of empty nets and, and open nets when he was on the Rangers. Uh, we still, we still miss a lot of them. Uh, but, Let's get to the last bit of this episode, the ice cold take segment. Uh, or you've had some time to think about it, but for the people at home, an ice cold take is an accurate statement backed by facts and observations that is solid in nature, similar to a block of ice, i.e. spot on claim. So, oh, I'll leave that up here. Uh, the Rangers, I'll start with mine. I'll give you a little bit more time. But the Rangers today, they waved Nick Benino. And uh, I wasn't expecting uh, Chris Drury to make a decision like that because he's a veteran and, you know, how those GMs are. Like, I feel like they they uh, value veterans very highly and intangibles and stuff like that. But he just wasn't – he wasn't a good player uh, in the league anymore. And he was playing out of place on the third line. The Rangers decided – Chris Drury decided to place him on waivers. If he could place – Benino on waivers, that means he could place Wheeler on waivers. So I think Wheeler could get waived before the trade deadline, anytime between now and the trade deadline. And I think the Rangers could make an upgrade there. Hmm. That's my ice cold take for this week. So you think Wheeler over Goudreau? <laughs> I don't know if they could waive Goudreau. I mean, they I mean, they can't actually. I don't know if he has like a protection. Because he's got a modified no trade. Right. Clause. Yeah. So that. So that, I didn't. I haven't looked at the. I haven't looked at the workings of that. I haven't looked on cap friendly about how that one works. Yeah. I know full no no movement clauses are the ones where you can't be sent down. I think, right. Yeah. Because it's no move at all. The no trade clause. So maybe he can be waived actually. Damn. Yeah, that's like the one guy I was thinking of as I far as like. Yeah. I was like, oh, they moved. I was like, they got rid of Benito instead of him first. But I was like, oh, that makes sense. Like one year versus three years or however much he's got left. Me personally, I would. I would waive Goudreau, but I know Jury won't do that. Like this is a guy that Jury went out of his way for. He went out of his way to trade for him. Like when he was going to be an unrestricted free agent. He traded picks to acquire his rights and then signed him to to a contract. And he's been with the team ever since. I don't see, I just don't think it's realistic that he's going to wave a guy like that, especially when you need players that have those intangibles that yeah. they claim that they have. But he's not presenting them whatsoever this season. Yeah. I just don't, I want, I would prefer that over Wheeler, but I just think that if it's going to be anybody, it's going to be Wheeler. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. Plus, he's only there for one year and, Probably the most expendable piece they got on the roster right now, aside from like Gustafson, if they want to waive him, but I doubt that. Uh, there's not really any point in waving Gustafson right now either, unless you think Zach Jones is going to be like uh, the a replacement. That kid's that kid's got potential, Zach Jones, but I don't think the Rangers see it. No, I think I think he has potential. Uh, he I- was somebody I was hoping would kind of like take a step next last season, and it just didn't happen. We well, didn't get much playing time last season. Yeah, sure. that's fair. So it's really hard when you're just kind of sheltered and just sitting in the press box. Like this year, he stepped in when there's been injuries. He had a. I thought he played okay against the Kings. I thought he had an okay uh, game. He made a couple good defensive plays, which I was surprised to see. Um, but you know, I don't think he's. I don't think he's got a spot on the Rangers. That yeah, like I was kind of excited about him when they. When they signed him, the first couple of games I watched of him, he looked really good. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of just fell into like AHL call up purgatory, which yep. I mean, happens to a lot of players that I liked coming out of the the AHL and in college hockey. 
sadly. How did, yeah. How did te- how did teams like Tampa Bay always get the guys like they any player they call from the AHL? It always seems like they just do well. Like yeah, that's that's how I feel Darren, about Vegas. Darren Radish they called up and he's good, right? Like who are the, like the other guys that they that they called up? Like was wasn't Gord like an AHL? Yeah, Gord up? was like an ECHL guy. They called. Yeah. Oh, he, he was in the ECHL like when they. <laughs> before they called him up. So they got they got production out of almost everybody they've called up. But even then they've they've had a lot of misses before too. They're starting to I think the well is starting to run out there, but even then you got like Nick Pervix coming up and he's a top four defenseman, but they have Victor Hebben they can slot him with, which mm-hmm. helps obviously. But even like a guy like Sorelli, I think he was a second round pick. How many second round picks don't pan out and they got a selkie candidate out of him. Yeah, Sorelli was we were Rangers fans were going crazy. Like when he was in RFA kind of wanted him as a two C. I think that was around like the same off season as the Eichel trade rumors or the off season before that. Um, if I recall correctly, I think it was yeah. the off season before the Eichel trade rumors. Uh, now Sorelli, I think was the same off. Uh, maybe not. Cause Eichel, I, I don't know. 2021 and 22 blend together for me. Yeah. Anthony Sorelli contract. I'm going to look this up because it's bothering me right now. Um, yeah. Let's see. Let's see. Yeah. All right. Well, he got an eight year. Oh, he's got an eight year extension that kicks in this year. Damn. Okay. Yeah. It and started then... with. Yeah. It started with uh, Tyler Johnson and Andre Pallad, and they just kind of kept the train rolling since then. But they so had a the really Sorelli... good NHL team back then, too. So the Sorelli, his ELC expired in 2019, 2020. So in the 2020, 2021 off season. Yeah. Going, so after their first going, cup. Yeah. After their first cup, that's when, that's when he got the extension. That's when he was the RFA and the Rangers. Right. Were, we were trying to figure out if the Rangers would, would go for the RFA route. Yeah. yeah. That was when Tampa, everybody was like, oh, they got to get rid of some guys. They got to get rid of this guy, this guy, and this guy. And they keep almost everybody important and get rid of the expendable ones. They always figured out a way for a while, but I think it's starting to, I think the well is starting to run dry there. I, they're a bubble playoff team right now. They're very, very top heavy. Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. They're even then like Sorelli's not producing points like he used to, Mm -hmm. or, yeah, I guess he was never really a big point producer, but like he still like they, their third line. Like if look at like you look who's on their third line right now. they only one of them's got double only one of them's got double digit points. Like they uh, kind of. I'm saying oof, but the Rangers' third line is just terrible too. Well, I mean Tyler Mott point. is their third line center right now. So oh, Mott is playing third line minutes for Tampa Bay. Oh wow, <laughs> yeah. Damn, they're really desperate. I like Mott too, but he's just a fourth liner, not a third liner. Yeah, I mean, even then they find some good players. It's just like they can only do so much. Like uh, Michael E. C. Mont, who they got they got in a trade. He was on waivers twice last year. Really good shot producer, just not a great scorer. Like really good high energy type of player, but mm-hmm. like he's only gonna do so much for you, like on the third line. And they got they're getting an outstanding season out of Nick Paul, and he's been elevated to a higher role now i know so, they used nick paul on the power play i don't know which unit they use him on though i think he's on he i think they they kind of rotate him like i, I remember seeing him on the first unit a little bit i remember got, seeing that too he was on a he had a really good start to the season i remember that yep was and, point injured this year uh maybe i don't know for sure like they're yeah, no, he didn't miss any games. Kucherov no. missed one. Okay, yeah. Then I was gonna say, like, I know they used Point at the bumper. Yeah, I was thinking, like, maybe they used Nick Paul at the bumper. I think they probably put Paul at the net front. If they, yeah, they, that's where he usually is. That or in the bumper sometimes, like, just to get him open. They move guys around a lot, but Great. yeah, they like like they have that. They kept that train going for as long as they could, and even then, they still might make the playoffs. Like, it's not complete the door's not shut on them it's like but, almost 10 years straight of them like like just calling yeah, up guys refilled like uh yeah re- reusing and recycling guys and stuff like that yeah the caps they the cap finally got them yeah yeah um i, I don't know which which one it 
which one that they had to cut bait with that was the the worst. I think they got rid when they got when they traded Tyler Johnson. I think that was the right move because it. Yeah, I was looking at his numbers recently. He looks like he's he's he's, he's washed now. He's These done. Injuries have just destroyed him. But like it adds up. They lost Kalorn. He was like the last guy from the core. That was in free agent. They couldn't hold on to him. Yeah, and then they lost Palat the year before. They lost Gordon the expansion draft. And, like, I thought Gord was an underrated loss for them, but they kind of figured it out. But even then, they kind of went trial and error with figuring out how to replace him because they brought up Kachuk and Radish, uh, Taylor Radish. Yeah. And they were okay, but it's like not – they're like, these guys aren't good enough. So they traded them both to Chicago and got Brandon Hagel back and – Hagel's a top six player for them now. Mm-hmm. And then they have Janot that they got. Like, That's the, yeah, they got to take an L on that one, unfortunately. That, that was, was a lot of picks they gave up. I I remember scratching my head at that one. I didn't understand that. I knew, like, I, I kind of liked Janot. If Janot was the player he was his first year in Nashville, it's like a no brainer, but he's not anymore and he's hurt. And they extended him too, didn't they? Yep. Yeah, like that trade was. I mean, I understood why. It's just like they traded, they traded for him when, while he was having a down year. Like he wasn't going to score twenty goals again. It, it, it was just kind of. Uh, I don't know. Jano wasn't going to make you win a cup with that roster. Yeah, and they were a, they were not good in the second half of last year either. Tampa Bay. Yeah. Like they kind of just fell apart. Yeah. Rare L for uh, Julian Brisebois. Yeah. Happen. Yeah. For, for the Tampa, it happens. For Tampa Bay. They just got to, I think it's, I think it's finally, they're going to retool probably after this year, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> so that's your ice cold take. Uh, well, gonna... No, I have an ice cold take. Okay. It's probably going to make people mad though. All right, go ahead. I want to hear it. All right. So the hurricanes are making a trade and it's not going to be a center. It's going to be, it's going to be for Pavel Buchnevich. <laughs> oh my god oh my god everybody's been saying they need a center because it hasn't really worked out with Coca Niemi and they will not play Marty Natchez at center and Jordan Stahl is not a second line center anymore I don't think Jack Drury is going to be that either it's been kind of uh, they their lines have kind of been they've been playing by whoever's going they've been rotating a lot Aho has had a bit of a revolving door in his line. Who is perfect to? Who's the perfect guy to slot right there? It's Pavel Buchnevich. Mm. He's the type of player they would probably go after too. He's got one year left on his deal after this year, and yeah, if they can five years, I remember when he signed that. That's just that's crazy. I, I think so. I don't know. It just makes a lot of sense to me on yeah. paper. He's also kind of having. Oh, it was a four-year deal. Sorry. He's having a bit of a down year too. Like he hasn't been the. Like, he hasn't been just the machine he usually is, but I think that would be just a perfect add for them in the playoffs because, like, they need they need another scorer. They need another guy who can play in the top. They can another, another guy who can play on their top line, another guy who can maybe complement Marty Natchez if that's the route you're going. Like, he can kind of just do everything for you. He's a Swiss Army knife. Yeah, when he left the Rangers, he started killing penalties, like, that last year on the Rangers, he's killed penalties, so they could use him there too. If he still, yeah. if he still does that, I, I'd imagine he, he does. Yeah, he's like he was their. I thought he was their best player last year. This year, he's this year he's not scoring as much. I think he's been no, he hasn't really been hurt. He's got he's two, like four two years left on his deal uh, this year yeah. and next. Is modified. Yeah, that's why. Clause. Yeah, that's the kind of not the no trade clause. I mean, Carolina is usually on those, so that might that might mix <laughs> this idea. But I think that's the I think that's who they're gonna get at the trade deadline. Damn, damn, that was the be only crazy yeah, pickup. I, yeah, the downside is I think they might get Jordan. They might get Jordan Bennington with him, which oh, because of uh, oh, oh, actually, yeah, because they need a goalie. Well, yeah, Anderson's gonna be out for the foreseeable future. Ranta, they've waived him once. He's got one of the worst save percentages in the league, and we don't know when Kachekov's gonna come back. So, I. I think they might do it. I, I think Butchnevich is going to happen. Bennington, I don't think will happen just because I don't know how the money is going to work there. But I think I think that trade will happen, and I, I kind of have my eyes on that other deal. I got to see what Carolina's uh, cap space is. I'm pulling them up right now. They have uh, they have a lot. 
right now. A deadline space six million six point four eight seven. Yeah, because Anderson. Uh, yeah, they won't even if they get Bucinovich, they don't have to retain any of that salary. That's yeah, they that's also... good because that's good because you don't have to give up as much. Like if you retain fifty yeah. percent, you're expected to give up like an extra pick or a prospect or something like that. Yeah, I'm also hoping that like you know Bucinovich. Like he's only got 14 goals this year. I'm hoping that might like drive the price down a little. Maybe St. Louis can take D'Angelo off of our hands too, which that's wishful thinking on my part. <laughs> I mean, they're not using them. Oh man. Um, yeah, the cap space here. That's um I was gonna I would have been really pissed if if uh Tarasenko signed with uh Carolina in the offseason because I know he was rumored to to go there was it like it was like close he almost went was, there yeah I, I think it was done and then it wasn't yeah and then like, i think that's, he fired his happened. agent i think he yeah, fired his fired agent his right agent. after that and he went to ottawa i think it was on a one-year deal but yep, I don't... it's a one-year deal yeah that's he should be on the move again this offseason or the, not this offseason yeah this offseason but like at the trade deadline yeah, maybe deal. the rangers can get him back yeah uh, so i think someone was talking about possibly going after Buchnevich again and I'm like oh my god really like it, it we would go crazy if that happened I would love it but I don't think that's gonna happen Jeez, if yeah. Carolina does that I'm gonna be so pissed well the other thing that the other thing is is that the west is wide open and St. Louis has won three in a row so maybe they kind of pump the brakes on on selling yeah. so Let's look where they they are at in the standings here real quick before we wrap this up the standings western conference Blues are fifth in the Central Division. They are uh, a point back of Nashville with the game in hand. Twelve back, twelve points behind uh, Dallas with a game in hand. The wild cards are the Kings and the Predators, fifty-three and, the and fifty-one. Have, yeah, so yeah. they're a point behind a, a wild card spot. So they're yeah. in it. Yeah. So. I it might be a tough sell to get them to part with a top line player unless they unless they wait until like I don't know next month and if they're out of it then you jump on them. This uh like looking at the Pacific Division like you just see L one W one W fourteen for <laughs> Oilers that's like that's crazy ten zero in the last insane. Yeah, they, insane they got hot while everybody else is just stumbling over themselves i mean even seattle went on a hot streak and they've they lost four in a row because everybody got hurt or sick i feel like this is this happens every year they've won 14 in a row and they're they have five games in hand on yeah. uh on everybody on like yep. vancouver and vegas holy crap that's insane yeah, yeah that yeah they kind of go through this every year every the, i was just gonna say that every year that's like they always start like crap and then they, they finish at the top of the, the standing. Well, like, yeah. Cause I remember people were talking about firing Woodcroft last year, except it was around December or November trading McDavid trading dry cycle. Like, it's oh, like, Oh, they're wasting be out by now. And it's like, Oh yeah. Okay. And then they, they figure it out. They go on a run and we'll see if it works in the playoffs this year. They're crazy. Which wow. I don't know at this point, like my hot take was going to be that Vegas is repeating, but I'm not too confident on that one right now. I'm just, yeah, I'm just saying that with no basis. Yeah, because they're they're injured. Like it's hard to, to go with that. Yeah, I, I, I like out. your I like your take. Honestly, the the Bucinovich trade that's a spicy one because uh, it would certainly make us very mad. But uh, I mean, he would actually be a pretty good fit for Carolina, just the way he yeah, plays. He, yeah, he'd be perfect for <laughs> like the Rod Brendamore system. Brendamore would love him. For sure, he would love him. Then, like I don't know, you got Sveshnikov, you got Orlov, Kachekov there. So, so, so Carolina, so Carolina doesn't use the Teravainen Aho Sveshnikov as a line. Uh, they did, but Sveshnikov is hurt now. Okay, that was a line, and then Svech got hurt, and so now it's Bunting Aho Teravainen. They have Bunting and, right now. Yeah, Bunting's kind of been Bunting's been all over the lineup. He's been pretty much everywhere <laughs> like he hasn't really had a set spot except on the power play mm. yeah, but i think he's pick up for them too yeah he's been sneaky or i wouldn't say sneaky good but i would say quietly good because he's on pace for like 57 points and i think he hasn't really been 
that noticeable a lot until like the past month or so. Cause he was, he was like one of the main strugglers early in the season, but then the last month when the team picked it up, he's kind of gone with them, mm-hmm. but he's kind of been the perfect complimentary guy with Aho just so Aho doesn't have to do all the puck carrying all the setups. Yeah. Yeah. Like he, like he's a lot more than just like the net front guy that he was advertised as. He sounds like he's an actual, like, uh, let's put him all over the lineup because the Rangers did that with Goudreau and they yeah. made it out like he was able to do that, but he really wasn't at all. Yeah, we have that. We have that. We have Stefan Nason who can do that too. Yeah. But like, we just need a lot more. Like, they need a like one more kind of big piece up mm-hmm. front. Cause like right now what they have is good. It can get by, but like you just want more for insurance to kind of get everybody back in their own spot. Yeah. That and I wonder if they can see if I wonder if they can try to find a trade for Coca mm-hmm. Niemi, but that's just me talking. Mm-hmm. Well, Butchnevich and Bennington would certainly put them in a good spot for sure. Like because you'd get the goalie and then you'd get the top line right winger for yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, then I'm also thinking like, do you punt this year, or I I don't know yet. But yeah. now that now that we're trying to, we're finally seeing like who's going to be available and who isn't. I think we kind of have a good idea instead mm-hmm. of just trying to like give up a first round pick for like Elias Lindholm or something. Yeah, yeah, or Sean Monahan. I heard yeah. that was going to happen. That's crazy. That guy's going to get a first round pick. Yeah, that's yeah. that is insane. Yeah, the asking price is ridiculous well mm-hmm. anyways Corey, uh we're gonna wrap this one up thanks so much for uh coming on again and uh showing us the stats i like how you use the uh the alternate logos like i like the liberty logo of course um and yeah like, some people like those some people don't it's like it's divisive it's fresh. I like no it. i like it it's fresh it, it, it's different i like it that was always my favorite rangers logo when i was a yeah. kid so like i got fr- and i'm the one that makes the charts so you know i can do what i want that's right <laughs> got to put your foot down. All right. Well, anyways, Ice Cold Takes fans, thanks so much for listening. See you guys next week. Hey, Rangers fans. Thank you so much for listening to the Ice Cold Takes podcast this week. Make sure you follow at Ice Cold Takes pod on Twitter to stay up to date with the latest Rangers info. See you all next week. Time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay.